Welcome to Sustainable Energy Asia podcast, hosted by Benjamin Pan. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Benjamin, and today my guest is Vinay Rustagi, Managing Director at Bridge to India, a consultancy and research firm focusing on Indian renewables markets. We are going to speak about the solar CNI market in India, CNI standing for commercial and industrial, which is basically all the solar projects that have as an off-taker or a power purchaser or corporate. Think about Google purchasing renewable power for its data center. I reckon it is quite a technical subject, however, it is really important to understand for two reasons. One, the CNI market has been developing across the world and is expected to become the new area of growth in the renewable sector. Second, due to India's regulatory specificity, India is currently the biggest CNI market in the world and you'll see there is a very high growth potential in these markets. Before we start the show, I would really appreciate if you can take a minute to rate and leave a comment on the show on your podcast provider. This helps the listeners to discover the show. Thanks. Hi, Vinay. Welcome to the show. Could you introduce Bridge to India and speak about how you came to lead the team after a career in banking? Yeah, sure, man. And thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I worked for about 17, 18 years in banking in multiple geographies. And then my last stint was with Standard Chartered Bank in India financing renewable projects and it was then if i can say there was a little bit of a light bulb moment it was quite obvious that renewables even though it was quite small back in 2011-12 but it was going to grow very very rapidly given the various energy sector issues in india and at the same time i was also kind of keen to branch out and do something of my own after i worked in large international organizations for many years so basically the two things came together. I felt that there was really very little understanding of the sector in India, but the growth uh, opportunity was immense. So I wondered if I could be the one who could kind of set up a strong knowledge-based entity like this and help international and Indian companies to grow the business. Thank you, Vinay. Today's discussion is the solar CNI market in India. Could you just, as an introduction, discuss the role of solar generation in the energy mix in India and highlight the key policy of the government? Yeah, so solar is a very, very compelling source of power for India as an economy. Reason being, India is very heavily dependent on coal. About 75% of our total power comes from coal. And even though we have enough coal reserves in India, but we still remain dependent on imports. So every year we are importing about 100 to 150 million tons of coal from other countries to the power sector. Now, we don't have enough domestic oil and gas because that again is imported mainly from overseas. Hydro and nuclear are not really mainstream viable options because they just have such long gestation periods and the cost is competitively quite high. So if you look at the total energy mix, it is very important to branch away from the fossil fuels, particularly coal. And there, solar, it's modular installation, falling cost curve, obviously environmentally friendly, etc., becomes immediately the most obvious uh, choice uh, for the government. And that is exactly how things are played out. Solar today now accounts for about 50 to 60 percent of total power generation capacity, which is added every year in the country. So 
on an incremental basis, solar has already taken the lead over all the other sources uh, of power generation. So the benefits really are one, clean sources of energy. Second, energy independence, you know, not being overly dependent on other countries. And then hopefully there are some other benefits, shorter gestation period, uh, modular nature means that there are consumers who can become energy independent by installing rooftop solutions at their homes or factories, etc. So I think a mix of these factors has basically added to the attraction of solar. Thank you. And if we dive deep in our subject, which is solar CNI market in India, I'd like to that we spend some time to define this market. What I'm looking at it is there's a demand side, so which is CNI, so commercial industrial, and then the supply side. So if you can start defining what, what do we mean by commercial industrial regarding solar, and then we can go and look at the supply side. Yeah, sure. So CNI is essentially the entire corporate or the business sector in India, essentially excluding the residential and the agricultural parts of the economy. Now, it is a very large part of the power sector because it accounts for 51% of total consumption in India. The interesting thing is that because the tariff structure in India is rooted in old times with a very socialist bent of mind. So what that means is that the residential and the agricultural consumers are heavily subsidized by the corporate consumers. So the corporate consumers are paying a much higher tariffs for consumption of grid power to subsidize the other consumers. Now that introduces a dynamic where suddenly the cost of power for these consumers is very high. And obviously every consumer, every corporate entity is trying to reduce their cost base to become more and more competitive. And in the last six, seven years, they've sent, they've found that by building rooftop solar or even offsite large uh, solar projects, they can actually reduce the cost of power. So commercial attractiveness of solar has played a very important role in the growth of CNI solar market. And then increasingly over the last two to three years, what has really kind of bolstered the market again is the, the whole decarbonization agenda. With many companies now increasingly saying that they want to reduce their carbon emissions. So these two factors together have basically really led to a huge spurt in demand. And CNI solar in India today Actually, is one of the largest uh, such markets anywhere uh, in the world for that reason. That is actually a really good transition towards the supply side of the market. So you mentioned previously there are on-site projects and open access projects. Could you just spend some time to define those two terms? And I'm thinking specifically about open access projects because those projects are quite specific to India. Sure. So, you know, the consumers have basically, when it comes to uh, buying solar power, they essentially have two choices. One, they can install as much solar capacity on site. So that is typically on the rooftop, but it can also be if they have a car park. Some companies will have large uh, spare land inside the premises, so they can set up drone wanted projects on site as well. But most consumers, by and large, uh, don't have enough space on site which means that they can only meet about 5 to 10% of their total power consumption from uh, rooftop solar or other on-site solar systems. And that is where open access becomes very, very attractive. Open access is essentially setting up a ground-wanted project anywhere in the country, off-site obviously, and using the grid to wheel power from the point of generation to the point of consumption. 
The principle was mooted back in India in 2003 because many corporate consumers have been complaining about unreliable grid supply. So the government allowed the corporate consumers to go and buy parts from any other source outside the grid to make sure that the corporate consumers can diversify their energy sources, hopefully reduce their power cost and get to reliable power also in the process. That is really interesting. Could you explain why the solar CNI market in India is the biggest in the world and present how this market has evolved over the years? And I think you already mentioned two elements which are relevant here. One being the high grid tariff for corporates and the second one being the ability of the corporates to purchase power outside of the grid. Yeah, sure. Solar started becoming attractive for the corporate consumers in India, I would say, around about 2015-16. And basically, solar costs started coming down by 10 to 15% every year. And the grid prices in India have been going up year on year, in some states by as much as 5 to 10%, in some other states by maybe 2% or 3% on an average every year. So after the two lines intersected, Basically, solar power became cheaper and over a period of time, the delta has increased. I would say that the delta today between the two is almost 50% for on-site uh, solar projects. So if a consumer is paying about, let's say, 8 rupees per kWh for grid power, they're effectively paying about 4 rupees for on-site uh, power from rooftop solar, etc. So that is a huge and immediately a very attractive source of power for the consumers. And even if they have to set up an open access project and pay all the charges for using the grid, banking, transmission, wheeling charges, etc., even after all of that, in most states, the landed cost of uh, open access power at the point of consumption is still about 20 to 30% cheaper than in comparison to the grid power. So there is a very substantial economic incentive uh, for consumers to shift away from the grid. Could you present the leading solar CNI developer in the markets? It would be interesting to understand how much installed capacity they have and what are the different development strategies they are pursuing. Yeah, sure. I think it's a very it's a fascinating marketplace. You can divide a market in many different ways, but very broadly, there are three kinds of players in the industry. The first one and the most dominant one today is basically these startup CNI platforms which were established about five to six years ago. And these were companies which were basically set up by entrepreneurs with very, very little capital. In the first one or two years, for example, they were doing projects of half a megawatt, one megawatt in total across the whole year. And when the inflection point was hit, these businesses basically grew at 100 to 200% every year. And today, they are about at least eight to 10 of such CNN platforms who have really scaled up quite substantially. Then the second segment today is uh, because the market is growing so rapidly and is poised to grow even more rapidly going forward, the large IPPs are beginning to come into this market. So there are companies like Renew, Azure, Tata Power. These are all companies which are all, they've all got existing renewable capacities of between 5 to 10 gigawatts. So these are really, really large companies and even utilities. So people, companies like Shell, oil and gas, Ted Total, all these companies are setting up platforms, separate platforms in addition to their utility scale uh, platforms to cater to the CNI consumers. And these companies have been slightly late 
to the business. Having said that, because they have a much stronger financial footing, obviously a very deep pool of corporate relationships, they are mainly focusing on open access projects and within open access projects, the larger projects. So for example, in a open access portfolio for a CNI platform, the average ticket size might be 5 to 10 megawatts. But, you know, when the large IPP moves into the sector, their average ticket size might be 20 or 30 megawatts, maybe even higher, right? So, so that is there. And many of them are now becoming very active in the sector. And the third, I would say, is really the local regional level player who is operating in a very, very small geography. And that's really nothing more than a mom and pop kind of a solution provider who is mainly focusing on contracting and engineering services rather than offering an integrated OPEX model with financing and installation, uh, etc. It seems for sure to be a really dynamic market. Now, I'd like you to put your hat on former project finance banker and tell us what are the key risks when you look at a portfolio of projects, whether it is on-site or open access projects. Sure. I think that's a very good question because the project finance bankers really took a long, long time to be convinced about his business for some good reasons. To start with, the ticket sizes were quite small. Even if a, a platform or a IPP has got, let's say, a 20 megawatt or a 50 megawatt portfolio, that portfolio would typically comprise 10 or 15 consumers with every consumer signing a small PPA in there. So which means to really assess the bankability of that portfolio of any project size, the lenders were forced to basically go and look at the financial standing of every individual uh, off-taker. So suddenly, instead of doing one off-taker, one project of 50 megawatt, now you have to do 15 off-takers, each off-taker between less than one megawatt typically. And many of those off-takers were sometimes not rated or not publicly listed companies. So which means that assessing their financial status actually becomes quite challenging. So to assess bankability of the off-taker is a big challenge for the project finance lender. Now, the second and very big challenge for the uh, risk factor for the lenders is the policy risk in these projects. Particularly in the open access projects, which are dependent on using the grid, they have to pay these open access charges for the grid. And these charges get revised every year which means there is not a 100% assurance whether a project which is viable today based on the current cost structure, the grid tariff structure, etc., will be viable in two years' time or five years' time or not. So in particular, there is a lot of resistance to open access and the whole CNI market from the monopoly utilities in the country because they don't like their premium high tariff paying consumers to go so they have done actually a lot of things like denial of approvals, changing the charges, changing the policy abruptly without any warning, etc. So assessing the good policy risk and the viability of the projects on a long-term basis in the face of such a strong opposition from the local utilities has been a major, major challenge for the bankers. And I think over a period of time, they have got comfortable, I would say with two, three main factors. One, the platforms have basically raised a lot of equity capital and gained credibility. And in many cases, what happens is that the projects are initially financed with equity or very heavily equity financed and they have some track record. Then the debt basically plays the role of takeout financing. So a lot of the construction risk, the initial policy risk in terms of availability of approvals, et cetera, is kind of taken out of the whole process. 
So financing timetable is slightly different for, for CNI projects than it is for the utility scale uh, projects. The third thing, of course, as I, as I said, is that the ticket sizes in this sector have in this market have become larger. There are larger companies who are looking to buy more and more renewable power. So if it is a publicly listed AA or a AAA rated company, there is financing, which is very, very easily available from any number of banks and financial uh, institutions. But on the other end of the spectrum, if you are a small CNI company financing SME projects, you know, average installation size is, let's say, 200 kilowatts, then it is still very, very difficult uh, to raise uh, any project finance. That's very interesting. Now, I just want to have your view on the key trend you're expecting in this market and how you expect this market to evolve in five or 10 years. Sure. You know, I think it is a super exciting market. One, so far, it's been basically led by rooftop solar and open access, but now more and more procurement models are opening up. One, the utilities themselves are offering something called green power to the customers. So the consumers don't actually need to do anything. They just need to sign a piece of paper with the utility and say that I will buy green power from you and I will just have to pay a small delta over my normal grid tariff. So that route to green power from discounts now is available in about six or seven states. Until two years ago, no state was offering uh, green power under this kind of structure. Uh, and the government is now encouraging more and more states to come and start doing that. The second route, which is also becoming popular, is buying renewable power on the exchange. So there is a dedicated, I think, first of its kind, renewable power exchange in India, where consumers can buy power on a short-term basis, on a spot uh, basis, day-ahead basis, and on a week-ahead basis. And as part of that, they get the green attributes together with the power that they're buying. So there is, the quantum is still not very high because uh, the merchant uh, capacity which can be sold on the exchange in India is very, very small. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that is going to become a more promising avenue going forward. And I think the third route that we expect to become more popular is the DPPA route, the virtual power purchase uh, agreement. And it is essentially like a contract for difference kind of stru structure where the project owner and the generator is basically selling power on the exchange and not directly to the consumer, but the consumer is buying the green attributes from this project owner and then settling the price delta between a strike price and the power price on the exchange to basically offer a fixed price guarantee or assurance to the project developer. So we are beginning to see some deals as we speak right now. Like we have seen in the Western world, we do expect BPPA to become a pretty substantial part of the market going forward. So on one hand, there are these new procurement routes which are opening up. The second thing which is opening up, which has become changing in the market is that the central government in India has basically said that interstate transmission charges on all open access projects will be waived off. What that means is that a consumer in state A, if they can't set up an open access project in that state because either land is not available or the solar resource or the wind resource is not attractive, they can actually go to the most attractive parts of the country, set up a project, wheel the power all the way you know, from north to south or east to west in the country and get all the transmission charges waived off. So in a sense, we are moving from small interstate open access projects to large interstate open access projects. And it is likely that more and more of these projects will be located in two or three states where there is a lot of cheap land with good wind and solar resources available. So which means that the cost of 
interstate open access will come down and there'll be further bit uptake and large consumers coming in, moving in that direction. So that is the second big step change in the market. And the third thing I told you, you know, there is this very, very strong consumer push because of the whole net zero and the decarbonization angle. So it really literally is becoming like a initial trickle, which became like a river and now it's kind of turning into a flood in the market in terms of the total volume. Thank you for all the insights and it was a great pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure talking to you.